Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Taylor Rapp, former Washington Husky defensive back, and you're tuned in to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. All right, welcome back. Episode 22. Shout out CJ Procythe, former uh, Seattle Seahawks number two, 22. Uh, episode 22 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Charles Hammaker. We have a pretty packed episode. Uh, I'm not going to lie. There's quite a bit to go over. So let's get right into it. Jumping into Seattle Seahawks news. Uh, the team won their week one matchup versus the Atlanta Falcons, 38-25 to down in Atlanta. The team never trailed uh, and is currently tied for first in the NFC West with the Rams and Cardinals both winning their games over the weekend. Uh, Rams defeating the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, even though it was kind of questionable. Uh, at the end, there was some interesting calls. And the Cardinals taking down the Niners uh, in Santa Clara there. Uh, the 49ers are alone in last place. Obviously, it's the first week, so there's you know there's going to be overreactions. But uh, definitely, certainly interesting to see Arizona take that uh, win against Santa Clara. Uh, Russell Wilson was the leading passer in the game against Atlanta, obviously, and rusher with 29 yards on the ground. This kind of shows how they really did in this game, let Russell air the ball out. Uh, DK Metcalf was the leading receiver with 95 yards through the air on four catches on eight targets. Uh, DK had a couple of drops there. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's he's still young, second year, and, I mean, first game of the season, so nothing too uh, worrisome there. Uh, Tyler Lockett had eight catches on eight targets for 92 yards. Uh, the team passed the ball on 78.5% of the plays in that first quarter, uh, the highest such ratio during Russell Wilson's time in Seattle. So obviously uh, against this uh, poor Atlanta pass defense, uh, they really just kind of let him go out there and do his thing, uh, which is exciting to see, but I'll get into how that might not happen this week. Uh, excuse me. They passed on 64% of early down throughout the entire game, which is another big jump from uh, years past. The team was 3-for-9 on third down, which shows improvement is needed on third downs, but the team also did only have the nine third downs. Uh, LJ Collier had the highest pass rush grade on the defensive line, uh, and there should be a lot of credit given to offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer for calling a great game. Uh, in his third year as offensive coordinator and, you know, seems to be improving and continuing to build that bond with Russell Wilson and just putting other personnel in positions to succeed there. Uh, some notes on the defensive side, Quinton Dunbar looked a little bit rusty, uh, obviously first game and didn't have uh, as much practice time with the team. So, I mean, still some to see as he continues to get back to get uh, integrated into the system here. Uh, the run defense was a little bit messy uh, in the first quarter on that first drive. Uh, Todd Gurley was able to rip off some good runs. Uh, not quite what he used to be due to his knee injuries and his arthritis in his knees. Uh, but, you know, still against some teams who might have more of a strong running hack, especially a team like San Francisco uh, or even, you know, the other teams in the division from Arizona to L.A. both, you know, have decent run games. Uh, some to improve here and coverage was generally soft and could use some tightening up uh moving forward the pass rush was still of some concern but uh a couple of guys from bruce Irvin to lj collier uh, and benson miawa all had flashes throughout the game uh getting to the quarterback uh bobby wagner and jamal adams obviously were big stars there jamal adams obviously i mean if you watch the game or you pay attention at all uh jamal adams had a big game and uh People took notice, so that was really exciting to see in his Seahawks debut. 
uh, Russell back to Russell. He was named NFC Player of the Week for the 10th time in his career. He completed 31 of 35 passes. Completed 31 of 35 attempted passes. Sorry, just making sure that's clear. Uh, for 351 yards and four touchdowns, Russell joined Steve Young as the only two quarterbacks in NFL history to throw for over 300,000, I mean, 30,000 yards, not 300,000. That'd be a lot of damn yards, uh, as well as rushing for 4,000 yards. He achieved this feat in 40 fewer games than Young did. Uh, and both of those guys, I mean, are the definition of dual threat quarterbacks. And you could very well argue that the best Russell Wilson is the best dual threat quarterback of his time. Uh, perhaps at some point in his career, you could consider him the best dual threat quarterback of all time. Uh, I think you're getting to that point, obviously. But one guy, when I say that, one guy that gets mentioned a lot is who the Seahawks are playing this coming week uh, in Cam Newton. And obviously, you know, Cam does have the rushing numbers and all that, but the passing numbers he doesn't. And I would, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that Russell is a far and beyond better passer than him. Uh, and no disrespect to Cam. I do like Cam uh, watching him play, but uh, I'd, I'd take Russell over Cam any day. Uh, Russell's the first quarterback to reach 30,000 passing yards with less than forty, with less than 4,000 attempts, uh, showing off his efficiency there. And he's the fifth quarterback in NFL history to rush for more than 4,000 yards. Uh, and a report came out. Sunday night from uh, NFL and NBC prior to the game, the uh, Rams-Cowboys game on Sunday night, that Russell Wilson reportedly told the team that he wants more urgency uh, earlier on in games. And if he does not, if that does not happen, that the team could lose him, which is, I mean, it could just be, whoa, microphone fell there. Uh, let me get that adjusted. Could just be drama. Uh, could just be people trying to stir the pot. But, I mean, obviously it's something to note as Russell at age 32, you know, might want that urgency. Obviously, in the past, the team hasn't always uh, been huge on passing. Sorry about the microphone. I don't it fell. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I don't really buy that type of stuff. Uh, there's always the media trying to do stuff like that, and that's not the type of media that I like. I don't like causing, uh, instigating, or you know, making stuff up like that. So, um, people also said that Russell Wilson wanted to be in New York last off season. So, you know, take everything with a grain of salt. Uh, Jamal Adams in his big debut, he had 12 total tackles, eight solo tackles, and two tackles for loss as well as a sack. He currently has more sacks than Davian Clowney. Um, he rushed the passer 11 times, which is the most ever for a safety in the Pete Carroll era. He recorded a sack, two QB hits, in a hurry. And he had some things to say after the game. Uh, he said that he wasn't bored, referencing his uh, Greg Williams' comments earlier in the season, earlier in the offseason, um, saying that he would be bored in the Seattle defense. And he said that on uh, to quote himself on watching the Russell Wilson led offense put up 38 points. He said, I'm not used to it. It's exciting. Certainly uh, issues there in with the jets, that offense, not necessarily doing what the Seattle offense has done. Uh, the NFL sent out a warning about coaches not adhering to the face covering rules over the weekend. Uh, Troy Vincent, who is the VP of football operations for the NFL sent out a quote unquote, strongly worded memo. Uh, reminding coaches to wear their face coverings while on the sidelines and and also said that 
failure to adhere to this requirement will result in accountability measures. Uh, uh, oh, being imposed against the offending individuals and or clubs. Sean McVay uh, at the Sunday night game could be seen many times wearing his mask on his chin. So that's obviously probably something that um, to keep notice just throughout the season. Um, it's just interesting uh, considering how we're moving forward with this. Obviously, if you watch the game uh, between the Chiefs and the Texans and you read had his face shield, uh, and that got all fogged up, and that was kind of a funny point. But it's just interesting to see how with, you know, the way this virus has gone and, you know, how we're dealing with it, you know, how that's an, even an issue. So looking forward to the game, which is going to be tomorrow, if you listen to this on Saturday. Uh, Sunday Night Football at home versus the New England Patriots. They're coming off a one-week one win versus the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Cam Newton had two rushing touchdowns. The defense held the Dolphins to under 200 yards passing and two interceptions. Obviously, that's something to note considering, you know, the passing attack that the Seahawks had last week. Uh, Pete Carroll stated that the Seahawks could become more ground-focused against the Patriots despite uh, Russell Wilson's explosion through the air. Uh, And like, you know, as I said, this could be due to the Patriots' pass defense, who is headlined by uh, the reigning defensive player of the year in Stephon Gilmore. Or Pete Carroll might just want to get back to his roots. I'm thinking it might be more to, you know, uh, avoid. I think it might be a little bit of both. Um, obviously, Pete Carroll has been sort of a ground and pound guy, but you know, if 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 Russell doing what he did last week puts you in that position to win games, I don't see why you don't do it. Hey, that's just me. But also having that sort of balance will help you if you're able to have that balance where you can go to the play action or you can keep the defeat the defense on their toes that that would be ideal he also said that he needs quote-unquote needs to get both chris carson and carlos hyde more touches as they both had seven and six carries respectively uh, he said these guys will get more carries as we move down the schedule so that's you know something interesting to see going forward uh, Pete Carroll in his uh, coaching career is two in one against Belichick in his tenure with the Seahawks. He has two wins, those two wins coming in the regular season, both in 2012 and 2016. And obviously that loss coming on the one yard line after previously having a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter uh, and having several starters hindered by injury in that Super Bowl 49. Obviously, if you're listening to this and you care about sales sports, you probably know. Super Bowl 49, we don't want to talk about it too much, but uh, this upcoming game between the two will feature the oldest coaching matchup in NFL history with Pete Carroll being 69. He recently had his birthday this week, uh, well, well, last week, so happy birthday to coach. And uh, Bill Belichick is 68. So, Speaking of Bill Belichick, he recently had a conference call that included several Seattle reporters, and he had a couple quotes here about uh, Seattle personnel on Pete. He said that Pete is a football guy, quote unquote, and he has a great background and makes great decisions, has a ton of respect for Pete and what him and general manager John Snyder have done here in Seattle. Uh, And talking about Russell Wilson, he said that Russ was one of the top players in the league and has been for his his entire career. He said that he's top of the list of people we compete against. He's problem number one. And then on Thursday, he said that – he believed that Russell was actually underrated by the media and the fans. 
which is certainly, you know, an interesting thing to say. But, I mean, I understand it. I've seen Russell be doubted his whole life. So there there still are people who don't truly understand his ability. On Bobby Wagner, he said that he's a great football player, and there's not a play where you're not blocking number 54. You're all, you're accounting for him on everything. He almost plays like a safety around the line of scrimmage, and he called him exceptional. Uh, on Jamal Adams, who's obviously seen uh, when he was when Jamal was in the AFC East, he said that he's a tough player to handle, very disruptive against us in our games against the Jets. He can really do everything well, and he causes a lot of issues for an offensive football team. Obviously, uh, if you're getting this sort of praise from Bill Belichick, that's you know it's an honor in a, in and of itself. Uh, Bill Belichick, to me, probably is the greatest coach of all time, or one of the greatest coaches of all time. You know, so that's good and all, but uh, at the end of the day, you can't sit there and just be happy with these comments. You still have a game to play, so I hope nobody feeds too much into it. You know, uh, but you know, it's it's still pretty cool to see that to see one of the top coaches in the league. say that sort of thing about people on your team so uh and then one person that i would pay attention to in this game uh is bruce Irvin. uh in six games against carolina with obviously cam newton at the helm uh bruce Irvin has sat cam eight times so bruce kind of has cam's number there a little bit so i would watch for him to have an impact here uh the team practiced indoors on wednesday uh coach carroll said that they'll wait until the day of to decide and then they decided to Obviously, moved the practice inside due to the bad air quality. Uh, the Weather Channel stated that the air quality in Renton was unhealthy, uh, which was sort of an improvement there from being very unhealthy early in the week. And then there was some concern early in the week that this game may have to be moved or it may be affected by the air quality. But thankfully, to the rain that came here on Friday, um, the air quality is back to healthy, so there's no need to worry about that. And the Sunday night football game should go as planned. Heading into our Seattle Mariners uh, game week recap, the team won on Saturday at the Diamondbacks 7-3. to uh, Ty France and Jose Marmaleos both had home runs. Uh, Justice Sheffield pitched seven innings and had two earned runs on the day. Uh, the team snapped a three-game losing streak there. Uh, on Sunday, they beat the Diamondbacks by the same score of 7-3. to three. Um, Donnie Walton at shortstop collected three RBIs, uh, and seven Mariners pitchers appeared in this game to collect the second win versus the Diamondbacks in as many games. Uh, certainly interesting to go and deploy seven pitchers that day. Uh, on Monday, in the first game of the doubleheader, the team won versus Oakland 6-5. to five. Uh, Kyle Lewis sparked a rally with a, six, a two-run home run, pardon me, and walked, the bases, walked with the bases loaded in the sixth inning of this uh, seven-inning game of the doubleheader. Uh, uh, Marco had six innings pitched, allowed five runs, had seven strikeouts. Jose Marmaleos hit his sixth home run of the season, but it was his first at Team Old Park, which is interesting. Uh, that was a really fun game to watch. And then later on in that day, in the second game of the doubleheader, they lost 9-0. to Obviously not a very fun uh, game to watch there. Uh, the team... Started off well, uh, had an exciting moment with Kyle Lewis robbing a grand slam to end the inning that got a lot of national attention and was called catch of the year. Uh, and it got a lot of comparisons to a catch that Griffey's made. 
but the team couldn't really take care of business. Uh, no offense in that game. So, you know, kind of sucks, but the catch, the catch was nice to watch at least. On Tuesday and Wednesday, the Mariners uh, versus Giants two-game series that was slated to be played in Seattle was moved to San Francisco due to the poor air quality from the wildfires. Obviously, they had played through that against Oakland, but uh, and against in the series against San Francisco, they just said, you know, screw it, let's move that. So the makeup date was 9-17. The games against Oakland, uh, the doubleheader makeup for the A's Corona mishap early in the season had been played in this haze with Oakland starter Jesus Lozardo stating that I'm a healthy 22-year-old. I shouldn't be gasping gasping for air or missing oxygen. I'll leave it at that. Kind of sassy there, buddy. Uh, oh, in the Wednesday game versus the Giants, uh, technically the Mariners is the home team, even though they're playing in San Francisco. They lost 9-3. to The Giants scored eight runs in four innings there. Obviously not too much to hang your hat on. Uh, on Thursday... They lost six to four. The Giants rallied after being down from four to one. Uh, Friday versus the Padres, another series that had to be moved to San Diego due to the air quality. Uh, so the Mariners obviously playing their second series in a row as the quote unquote home team, even though they were playing in the opposing team's ballpark. Uh, Thursday, no Friday, uh, they lost six to one. Evan White homered there. The only thing to really care about. Uh, so currently in wild card, uh, the team. Finishes well before I get to the wild card stuff. The team finishes out the regular season with the following games. There's two more games at quote unquote at home versus the Padres. Three games versus Houston back at home, which they'll be able to play thankfully. Uh, four games against Oakland, three being away and one at home. At least that's what it said on the schedule. It was kind of weird because when I was checking the schedule, it said, uh, "Oh, one of those might, two of those might be makeup games though uh, from earlier in the year." So uh, they're going to finish out after the Padres with the Astros and Oakland, the two top teams above that, the two teams above them in the division. Uh, the team still sits at four games back in the wild hard wild card hunt with a 22 and 29 record sitting at 0.431 win percentage. Uh, there's, there's hope still, you know, but uh, it's, it's, not likely exactly. Uh, four games behind Toronto. Toronto's in at twenty six and twenty five. Um, so we'll see. Uh, Cleveland is the number one spot in the wild card. Uh, let's check actually to see where there are in the division. Um, but you know there was some excitement there. Was some hope for a potential you know playoff push. Uh, they're three games back from Houston at this current point uh, in 10 and a half games back from Oakland and Oakland's already clinched. It seems so, you know, might not see that, but Kyle Lewis rookie of the year campaign news uh, with that grand slam robbing catch. It should all, but not, it should all, but confirm his rookie of the year win uh, taking home some hardware there. It should, but you know, I've seen crazier things happen. Uh, he leads all rookies in war hits, runs, walks, OPB, OBP, uh, with enough games, that is, uh, in OPS. And he leads all AL rookies in hit runs, hits, uh, second in homers and RBIs, uh, leads him in walks, batting average, OBP, OPS, and second in slugging percentage. So, I mean, if you hear all those firsts, you know, and you lead all those guys in the AL, 
you know, you think it'd be obvious enough to win AL Rookie of the Year, but to lead all rookies in the league with that stuff, I mean, it, it should be a clear-cut choice, at least to me, you know, but I don't have a vote. So, you know. Uh, in other news, the MLB and MLBAPA uh, agreed to hold the 2020 playoffs in a bubble setting, uh, much as, like, the NBA has done, is doing, and the WNBA is doing. Uh, the MLB hopes to have about 25% capacity for both season games at Arlington's Globe Life Field Ballpark. That's a hope. There's nothing confirmed yet. Uh, the Arlington Globe Life Field Ballpark, which is the home to the Texas Rangers, uh, has a capacity of about 40,000. The World Series will be held there as a quote-unquote neutral site. The MLB has not made a determination on whether spectators will be allowed or not, so it's still kind of up in the air, uh, but that would be the hope. Uh, yeah, yeah, there would be the hope that there's some percentage of those seats in the stadium in Texas uh, filled at some point. Off days will be eliminated for the divisional series and the league championship series, which will certainly create a focus on the depth of your uh, bullpen and pitching there uh, without that rest. But the World Series will still have its two traditional days off. Uh, this postseason will feature 16 teams this year, beginning with the top four seeds in each league hosting a wildcard series in their regular season at uh, home ballparks. Uh, these best-of-three matchups will begin in the American League on the 29th of September and the National League on the 30th of September. From there, those final eight teams will then shift to, these bubble, to the bubble environment. Uh, the league has also banned alcohol from clinching celebrations during the MLB playoffs this year. It's obviously not something that's too important, but kind of an interesting note to uh, follow there. Uh, the AL, oh yes, the AL Championship Series will be played at the San Diego Padres Petco Park, which is a great park, by the way. If you can go to it uh, for a game or anything, I would suggest it. Probably one of my favorite ballparks. Uh, and the National League Championship Series is to be played at Globe Life Field, the uh, Texas Rangers ballpark, as I've mentioned earlier, and Houston Houston's Minute Maid Park. The Division Series will start on the 5th of October. The League Championship Series are are set to start on the 11th of October, and the World Series will begin on the 20th of October. Just some scheduling info. And then Commissioner Manfred said that he expects this expanded postseason format of 16 teams to continue beyond the 2020 season. He said that an overwhelming majority, quote-unquote, of owners have endorsed the expanded postseason even prior to the pandemic. So obviously, that's kind of interesting to see. I had a conversation earlier in the week about that. It would be, see, my, what I'm thinking as of this current moment is that this Mariners team, well, not obviously the exact same team, but this, the Mariners can make the playoffs in two seasons. I was going to say two seasons, but with that expanded playoffs and with the way that the team played this year, just as the young guys and uh, the, the development and only a 60 game season, uh, I really that that could change. I really do think that could change. Obviously, there's uh, still time in this season, but it's not exactly likely. And the team wasn't pushing for the playoffs, you know, at all. This well, they weren't aiming for the playoffs this year. I wouldn't say. So, again, I'm I'm going to stick to two years. But if if they beat it by a year, hey, I'm not complaining whatsoever. Um. It's just about, you know, building for the future still. So people calling for uh, 
<clears throat> Jared Kalanick uh, or Logan Gilbert to be brought up. I, Jerry Depoto has said that they're going to be they're they're not going to do that essentially. Um, so it's just you know it's building for the future, and these young guys, their time will come. Guys like Cal Raleigh, uh, you, you'll see them next year, and it's it, it's just it's exciting. It really is to watch the young guys play, especially, you know, obviously Kyle, but Evan White and Tim Lopes. Tim Lopes is pretty good. Uh, well, he's all right. Uh, but, you know, it's just it's been exciting to watch that. And like I said, if that if that happens and they make the playoffs, fine by me. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to sit here and throw a fit because I don't. So moving on to Seattle Sounders, the team won on Friday versus LAFC three to nothing. Nico Ladero added two penalty kicks, four minutes apart, one in the 29th minute and the other one in the 33rd minute. Raul Ruiz Diaz added a finishing touch goal uh, to end the game there. Uh, and the team re-signed Brad Smith. Bringing back Brad Smith will give the Sounder an option, Sounders uh, more options in terms of how they can play different players at different positions, uh, maximize potential, and kind of utilize different talent around the uh, around the pitch and sort of give guys opportunities where they normally wouldn't uh, be had not for the addition of Brad Smith bringing him back. His deal is through the year 2022, and it is backloaded uh, after pre- previously being on the team for an 18-month loan. Uh, the team has never been really shy about bringing back former members, uh, with this being the eighth different player that the team has brought back for a second stint, uh, including guys like Nathan Sturgis, Brian Meredith, Lamar Nagel, uh, Hercules Gomez and Jovan Jones, uh, and the team currently sits at first in the Western Conference with 21 points, uh, which is second in the league for points, uh, fewest goals allowed. You know, teams hitting that stretch. You know, there was some. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Lots of talking makes me do water. Uh, I really think you know this team's playing well. I mean, they've smacked around LAFC the last two times. Uh, and after their loss to LAFC and the MLS is a back tournament, and especially coming off that seven to one win, uh, seems like they're hitting their stride. You know, still a lot of games to be played left, but adding Brad Smith should really help this team even more. So I mean, it's exciting to see. There have been some rumors that uh, former Sounder uh, and former O'Day Fighting Irishman DeAndre Lett Yedlin could be joining the team again, but that's just rumors to this point. Uh, it's said that his time with his current club could be up soon. Uh, so it, that'll be something to monitor, but I'm not going to, you know, get too worried about it yet. I mean, if start, things start to pick up steam, sure. And I'd love that, but uh, otherwise, you know, not going to get too, uh, too all up in arms about it. Uh, the Seattle, Seattle Storm, uh, lost to the Las Vegas Aces on Sunday, 86-84. It was a close game throughout, uh, but the Storm would fall to the second seed. Brianna Stewart and Suber did not play in this game. Uh, Jewel Lloyd had 30 points, four assists, and Alicia Clark had a very – stuff this stat sheet a little bit, uh, 16.7 rebounds and three assists. So playoff news. The Storm and Aces will both get a double bye a uh, two-round bye for being the one and two seeds, and they will both play on Sunday in the semifinals games. Uh, these two games will take place at 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern, so uh, Vegas will play at 10 a.m. Excuse me. 
and uh, the the storm will play at twelve. Um, both Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird do intend to play in the pre the playoff opener. They've both said uh, the storm finished second in total points per game, first in offensive and defensive rating. Uh, so after the first games, uh, hmm. what did I say? Oh, sorry. The playoffs. So the games are the best of five series taking place uh, on the 22nd, 24th, 27th, and 29th. Obviously, uh, some of those are if necessary. Uh, the finals are set to start on October 2nd, and the following places, the games will take place on the 4th, 6th, 8th, and 11th, obviously, if necessary. Uh, and they're all best of five series. The Storm are heavily favored to win the title uh, with six of six ESPN writers picking Seattle to beat the Aces in the finals. Obviously, as I've said before, you know, being favored is great and all, but, you know, product on the field is what matters to me because I've seen so many different, you know, you can bet all you want. You can say these guys are favored and all that, but, you know, I've seen too many upsets to really care about who's favored. Uh, Brianna Stewart earned AP Comeback Player of the Year in AP All WNBA First Team Awards. Uh, she did not win uh, WNBA MVP. That went to Asia Wilson of the Las Vegas Aces. I think that's BS, but you know what? That's you know my call. Uh, so Game One, 12 a.m. Pacific Time on ABC on Sunday versus the Minnesota Lynx, and Game Two is scheduled for Tuesday at 4 p.m. on ESPN Two. Heading into Washington Huskies Athletics. Quite a decent bit of news here. Uh, the Pac-12 conference is eyeing a mid-November return to football. Uh, the conference's quote-unquote most aggressive return plan is currently targeting mid to late November. Uh, this is due to the daily testing that is coming to the conference. Another report from Wednesday claimed that the conference could start in late October if teams were to get clearance at the local level from California as well as Oregon. This would be the earliest that they would start the season. But this did get some worry from uh, different coaches around the Pac-12 uh, uh, as coming out from The Athletic with quotes saying that there would be a, pardon my language, I have had a good streak of no swearing in these episodes, but this is a quote, so you know, take it as you will. Uh, there would be a quote saying that there would be a shit ton of injuries and that this is a, this is the two quotes were that th there would be a shit ton of injuries and that this is not fucking ping pong. I don't know what the ping pong quote means, but you know, that's, there's obviously some worry going around about that. Uh, defensive tackle Levi Anzarike opted out of the season. He's, excuse me, expected to be a top five prospect at his position in this upcoming 2021 NFL draft. He was a four star coming out of high school in Texas. And he, in three years, he totaled 89 total tackles, 43 solo tackles, and six sacks with the Huskies there. So, obviously, you know, that's depending on what happens uh, with the season for football, that could be a big loss. Uh, it'll be a big loss in general because Levi was a big guy who uh, was a big plug there on the D-line. So, you know, all, all best of luck to him. Uh Moving forward, the Big Ten announced its plan to play in the year 2020, kicking off its football season on the 24th of October. Teams will play eight games in eight weeks. The conference will adopt stringent medical protocols, and the vote to the to return to football was unanimous. This includes rapid and daily COVID-19 testing, uh, and their recently released schedule includes an opening weekend of the 24th, obviously, 
with teams playing eight games in eight weeks, and there's a mask mandate. Obviously, if you didn't have a mask mandate, it'd be pretty stupid. Uh, Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott commented on this uh, following news, stating that the Pac-12 is still not ready. Uh, but then Governor, Governor, California Governor Gavin Newsom said that there is nothing in the state guidelines that denies Pac-12 from having games. So obviously he wants them to get games going. So it's just interesting to see the Big Ten, who had previously uh, said that they weren't going to play games, uh, have that vote and come around and swing around and say that we're all going to play games. Uh, so that that's just something to monitor as the uh, situation from the Pac-12 continues to unfold. Uh, for UW basketball, college basketball is on track for a November 25th start. There's an upcoming Division One council vote that will need to be approved as this is a likely start date, not completely confirmed. Uh, the regular season has been cut by four games in this proposal. There's no scrimmages or exhibitions that are allowed throughout the season. And there are no recruiting visits until the twenty until the first of January. The Pac-12 conference will reconvene on September the twenty-fourth in order to discuss the possibilities of starting the season prior to the first of January. And then the last bit of news: uh, Division athletes have been given the election day off. D1 athletes will not participate, uh, will not practice or compete on the first Tuesday after November first every year. So, goodness gracious. A lot of news there. Uh, at least it felt like a lot of news. I also felt like I was talking really fast, which I don't like to do. But, um, yeah. Uh, big couple games coming up. Home stretch for our Mariners. Obviously, you know, there is that possibility of playoffs. But, like I said, I wouldn't hang, hang my hat on it. I just can't wait to see all the people who are complaining, oh, another year, no playoffs. It's like, shut up, dude. You know, you're it's just some people don't grasp the idea of a rebuild, you know. So big game tomorrow night versus the uh, Patriots on prime time. Uh, the Seahawks are 19 and three in prime time games with Russell Wilson. So that's obviously something to note, but knock on wood, you don't want to jinx yourself. But really interesting to see what the offense does against the Patriots because they you know, they had a really good defense last year and they still have uh, Stephon Gilmore and the McCordys, uh, JC Jackson, you know, so will be something to monitor. Uh, whether if they go to a more offensive based, uh, a more balanced approach, a run game focused approach, pass game, you know, so really interesting to see that. Uh, there have been some injuries on the D line. Rasheem Green uh, is dealing with some, so he's kind of day to day. You know, it's uh, Storm are starting out their playoffs. Uh, Sounders have games against uh, Portland, uh, down in Portland, and then LA Galaxy at home. So it's a big week. Um, there, There is some sense of normalcy, which is good to get, but... Um, it's, 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 it does make me feel better. It does sort of give you that sense of normalcy back. Obviously, when you look in the stands, it's not normal, but, you know, I'll take what I can get. So just continuing to work. You know, I appreciate all the support I get. Uh, I don't know if you'll hear this, but uh, my uh, boss down at the main team store in the Seattle Mariners, Kelly, Kelly Walsh, thanks for uh, listening. I came in the other day, and 
I guess he'd heard it. So that's, you know, good to see. If my boss, Sean Guinea, is listening, uh, thank you, Sean. Hope you're doing well. Um, yeah, I just want to thank everybody. It says I have a uh, following or an estimated following of nine people. So those nine people, whoever you are, thank you. Um, you know, just continuing to work. School's coming around here again, so got to get more big brain time, educate myself. Uh, just keeping with the weekly uploads, keeping with consistency. Uh, I got to force myself here to work on the videos. Uh, but other than that, you know, stay safe. Go Hawks, go Mariners, go Storm, go Sounders, go Huskies. Uh, take care out there, wear your mask, social distance. Remember that Black Lives Matter and continue to fight for equality. And uh, I will see you all next week, Saturday, 5 p.m. Take care, y'all.